0: (laughs) There's no doubt in my mind that Glenville Church has spirit-filled believers (laughs) who love to praise the Lord, and that's all right, it's all right, brother, it's all right, tonight Well, you better praise him. (laughs) Um, Let us consider the word for this evening. Well, first, I guess I should say that as we are in this 40 for fruit, we are sincerely praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, sincerely praying for that, because we need it. It's interesting that uh, my sister, Sister Cox, uh, talked about praying for an atheist. There was an email circulating around some time ago that talked about a staunch atheist who just believed in his heart and his mind that there was no God. And after a while, he got tired of hearing about the Jewish Passover and Yom Kippur and Hanukkah and how Christians were celebrating Christmas and he wondered to himself, why in the world does America have so many holidays for religious people? Where is the holiday for atheists? So he went to a lawyer and asked the lawyer to plead his case. Funny enough, the lawyer actually accepted his case. And they were able to get a case with the judge. And after a long, passionate appeal, the lawyer uh, spilling out uh, all of the reasons why atheists should have their own holiday. The judge simply looked at him, being the wise judge that he was, took out his gavel and said, you know what, case dismissed. The lawyer pleaded and pleaded and said, how can you say that? Can't you see that all of these other religions have their own holiday? It's not fair that atheists don't have theirs. The judge leaned up in the podium and he looked at the lawyer and he looked at the client and he said, sir... I guess your client is just too foolish to realize that atheists do have their holiday. lawyer said, now, wait a minute. Which holiday is that? What are you talking about? He says it falls on the same day every year, April 1st. Because the Bible says in Psalms 14.1, only a fool says in his heart that there is no God. Hmm. So, brother, I agree with you. Agree with God today. I'm happy to be praising him at any time I can. Pastor, you probably said it best. Uh, It's all about Jesus tonight. That's where I want to go. Let's stay in Matthew 3. Let's stay in Matthew 3. Matthew 3 and verse... The <clears throat> Bible says this, and allow me to read in your hearing. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, Jesus is. I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Brothers and sisters, I just want to spend a little bit of time on Jesus looking at his life. And I think there are some truths pertinent Uh, to our salvation that are evident in Jesus' life. So I want to speak to you briefly, very briefly, on the subject, Daddy's Boy. Daddy's Boy, won't you pray with me? Father God, we're grateful because we have another opportunity to give our lives to you all over again. Father, even if we already have, we're grateful, God, because we just get to praise you and worship you as we see fit. We can dance, we can shout, we can praise God, and we're thankful for that. We love you, God, and we praise you. We ask for forgiveness of sins. Hide me behind the cross, God. These and all other blessings we pray in your Son's name. Amen. Might I share with you one thing that I dislike? Would you mind that? Come on now, talk back to me. One of the things that I dislike is when I turn on the TV and I see so many televangelists who make out like the Christian journey is an easy one. The truth of the matter is, when I consider the Christian journey or the Christian race, easy is not the adjective I would use to describe it. The Christian journey, am I right about it? Is filled with hard decisions and choices. Sacrifice and surrender, none of which can truly be described as easy. And if most of us folk are honest with ourselves, we have to admit that the Christian walk is kind of like treading the wine press. When we come to the end, we finally get to taste the sweet fruit of righteousness. But all along the journey, sometimes the work is arduous. And the struggle to be different than the rest of the world in the face of temptation is no picnic. Would you agree? Even Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have already overcome the world. As a matter of fact... It was not even easy for Jesus. In just trying to get to Calvary, he was met with opposition from every angle. But the main thing that kept Jesus going was to accomplish the Father's will. Whose will? He submitted himself daily to the Father. He had relinquished all power of his own to the Father. And he had numerous occasions in which he could have given up. He could have sent legions of angels to destroy the world and set him free. But Jesus stayed on target, stayed on mission, stayed true to his purpose and to his goal. And the one thing that stands out to about Jesus to me is that he never sought earthly approval. Everything he did was for the approval of the Father. And Jesus was led by the very Spirit of God. We have to ask ourselves tonight, what kind of approval are we seeking? Hmm. What I have discovered is that when I get down to the end of my days, it really, it probably won't matter as much how many books I read. Might not matter how many scholarly papers I wrote. Might not matter how many times I preached, who I preached in front of, how well I preached. It really won't matter how many people thought. I was a good person. Won't matter how much money I have saved, how much people have overlaid me with compliments and kudos and accolades at the end of the day. The only thing that will matter is, was Jesus pleased with me? Bible says here, Jesus came to John, allowed himself to be baptized in the Jordan River. And then Bible says that, God spoke up and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, Jesus was about to begin his public ministry. His sights were now set on the fulfillment of his mission. He had traveled from the glory of heavenly courts to this dusty planet we now call earth. And even before he was conceived in the womb of Mary, Jesus had decided that he was going to save the world. The Bible says he was slain from the foundation of the world. And though it would have been nice for him to enjoy the freedoms of a carefree life, he accepted the burden of sin and a sin-sick world even before he was conceived. His life was not carefree. Am I right about that? It was not all joy and happiness. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Mr. White says that from his earliest times in childhood, the mission he came to accomplish was gradually being fulfilled and presented to him in his mind. More and more as he would go and watch the Passover feast and Passover celebration, Jesus would watch uh, the priest slit uh, the throat of the lamb. And as he would watch the priest take that knife and slit that lamb's throat and watch the blood flowing down. And hear the bleeding of the sheep and watch how much pain and agony was in the sheep as it was dying. She says that the Holy Spirit was revealing to his mind that he was that lamb. And he was going to die in like manner. Imagine every day of your life is leading to a horrible moment when you are going to die and you know it's going to happen. Most of Jesus' thoughts were death thoughts from his earliest moments in childhood. He was met with discouragement when he lost track of time in the temple trying to explain to the professors of the day what they have missed in the scriptures. The Bible says that his parents were looking for him and they even rebuked him. Jesus, where were you? Don't you know we've been looking for you, boy? Don't leave our side. Why did you leave us? Where, where were you? We were looking for you. The Bible says Jesus stayed resolute in his task and said, Mama, got to be about my father's business. As he progressed through childhood, his brothers were jealous of him and other young children ridiculed him. And it is said of Jesus that he trod the winepress alone. Are you following me tonight? I truly believe that if he did not have a connection with the father, if he didn't have a clear perspective on his duties, if he did not seek out the father's approval and the father's satisfaction, surely he would have never made it to Calvary. The truth is, Jesus would have fell well short of his goal. Jesus was in a rough situation, brothers and sisters. He had a mission to complete, and certainly it was not an easy one. But in his moments of extremity, the Bible says that Jesus would kneel down and pray and talk to his father. And out of nowhere, the heavens would open. And the clouds would roll back. And God would speak up from his silent chamber and say, this is my beloved son. In him, I am well pleased. Well, truth is, God only speaks three times in the Gospels. The first one is here at Jesus' baptism. He's about to begin his public ministry. He knows he's going to be tempted of the devil. He knows that his mission is not going to be easy. And the Bible says the heavens open up, the clouds roll back, uh, the Holy Spirit descends. And there at that moment, we have the Trinity in one place. And God speaks up and says, Jesus, you are my beloved son. In you. I am well pleased. Fast forward again to Matthew chapter 17. The Bible says that Jesus is now on the Mount of Transfiguration with his three main road dogs. And he goes up to the mountain and the Bible says that before their faces, he is transfigured before them. His clothes become shimmering white. Elijah shows up and then Moses shows up and then Peter out of ignorance begins to speak and he says, Lord Should we build a temple for Moses and Elijah? At this moment, Elijah and Moses are speaking to Jesus, trying to give him strength for the journey. For Sister White even says that Christ could not see beyond the portals of the tomb. The fact is he knew that he was about to go to Jerusalem. He knew once he went to Jerusalem, he was not coming back. And he was going to die. The Bible says that at that moment, the heavens opened clouds roll back and God speaks up and says this is my beloved son hear him well fast forward again John chapter 12 and verse 28 now Jesus is actually in Jerusalem it's curtain time for Jesus he knows that he is about to die it's about to be over he knows he's going to die an ignominious embarrassing and horrific death he knows that the Roman centurion's are going to have no mercy on his physical body. He knows that his friends are going to leave him. And he knows that the same people who were crying out Hosanna in the streets will be crying out, crucify him. So he kneels down and prays. And then God says something different this time. He says, I have glorified your name and I will glorify it again. In other words, I see what you're doing. I'm proud of you. Keep on going. Follow me. And get this. When Jesus died and rose again, the Bible says that we were adopted into the family of God. We received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Back then, this was a term of endearment. It's much like we would say today, Daddy. Hmm. And White says that the words God spoke, embraces all of humanity God spoke to Jesus as our representative with all of our sins and our weaknesses we are not cast aside as worthless he has made us accepted in the beloved Bible says we are adopted into the family I'm a son and you're a daughter God is our heavenly father Jesus is our elder brother and at the end of the day if God is pleased with us then that's what truly matters. Would you agree? I remember playing basketball for my high school basketball team. The truth is, I really wasn't that good. I know that's hard to believe. Really wasn't that good. Um, At that time, I did not have the physical strength nor the athletic dexterity to be good. Good. And I remember that I had friends on the team that were much better than me. I remember my friend Eric had uh, unbelievable dribbling skills. It was almost as if he had the ball on a string. He could do whatever he wanted. I remember my friend Devin was an awesome rebounder and an even better defender. I remember my friend Matthew Mounts was just, he had a beautiful jump shot. Myron, you know what I'm talking about, a beautiful jump shot. It was like watching magic happen because the ball would never touch the rim. It would just go through the net. He was good at it. truth is, because I wasn't that good and I couldn't do any of those things, my butt got used to the hard timber of the bench. (laughs) Sat there almost every single game. And the truth is, it was embarrassing. What made it worse is that all of my friends who were starters had their own cheers cheerleaders were cheering their names and 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 in their cheers their names were incorporated into the cheer you know how we do go Eric go go Devin go do this do that and the truth is I wanted my own cheer too I wanted the girls to be screaming my name (laughs) I wanted my name in lights I wanted my name in the newspaper but I just wasn't that good so I had to sit on the bench with the rest of the losers In every single game, I was embarrassed. Well, uh, all of those moments came to a height in my life. And I remember you say, you know what? I have enough of this foolishness. I'm going to quit. Simple as that. Went to my father. I said, Daddy, you know what? I'm going to quit this team. I don't want to be a part of it anymore. I don't get any playing time anyway. And I remember my father laid his hand on my shoulder and looked me dead in my eye and said, Son, I'm not going to lie to you. The truth is... You can't dribble like Eric. (laughs) The truth is, you can't rebound and defend like Devin. The truth is, you really don't have that great of a jump shot. And I'm wondering to myself now, where in the world is he going with this? And then he said, but son, you are my son. I love you. You, and I would not trade you for anybody else in the world. And words like that made sitting on the bench tolerable for me. Because I knew in those rare instances when I got my opportunity to shine, I had at least one fan in the audience that was screaming my name. I didn't care what everybody else thought. I was just glad Daddy was pleased with me. As I run the race of life, brothers and sisters... I just want my Heavenly Father to be pleased with me as well. I may not be the best preacher or the best person. I may not be the best or the brightest student. I may not be the best Christian in this area. I may have made some mistakes. I may have succumbed to temptation a few times, but at the end of the day, if God is pleased, then I'm all right with that. If we have to be truly honest with ourselves, the truth of the matter is that the best we have to offer God anyway is filthy rags. That means it's insufficient and inadequate and it will not suffice for our salvation. But I thank God that the Bible lets me know that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. For he remembers that our frame is simply dust. And as far as the east is from the west, God has removed our sins from us. I don't know about you, but I mess up all the time. Come on and be honest in here. I fall short every single day. Every time I try to do right, like Paul said, evil is always present with me. And as I run the race of life, sometimes I fall into the pit of temptation. Sometimes I trip over the rock of suffering. Sometimes I take a wrong turn and I get lost in the deep, dark wilderness of despair. I feel like giving up. Truth be told, I should be disqualified from the race. What makes it worse is that I got to sit back and watch other Christians and other televangelists who make it seem like they're doing 10 times better than I am because they're afraid to admit that the Christian journey is hard to run. What makes it worse is, even as human beings sometimes, it's natural just to try to compare our lives with others. And we get even more discouraged. Start to wonder why we can't sing like Whitley Phipps. Start to wonder why we can't break down the 2,300 days like Mark Finley. We start to wonder why we don't have this car and we don't have that job. And the world would have us compare ourselves to other people. The truth is, we waste so much time worrying about what other people think and how we measure up in their estimation, we forget the one person's approval that truly matters. I just wonder what God thinks of me. Jesus had done what we are doing today. Surely he would have given up long before he reached Calvary. I have to ask the question, when are we going to get tired Trying to measure up to every standard the world could possibly conceive. You know what? We may say to ourselves, we should say rather, my family doesn't have the notoriety that your family has, nor the amount of money. My shoes or my clothes may not be name brand. I probably don't drive the best car in the world, but every day I'm struggling to give my all to the master. And at the end of the day, the truth is it's all going to burn up anyway. So we might as well stop worrying about it. No matter what, I know that God loves me. I'm a child of the king, and I just want daddy to be happy with me. So I know that his approval is more valuable than money or that fame could claim. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I just got the feeling that God is going to be pleased with me if I just stay the course, if I just keep on running. If I just keep on moving towards my goal, not that I try to be like everybody else, but that I did the best with what he gave me. Hmm. Aren't you tired, brothers and sisters, of being held down by the approval of others? I get pretty tired sometimes of worrying about what other people think. I got my own problems. Don't have time to worry what everybody else thinks about me. Who thinks I'm good or I'm bad or I'm great or I'm worse? Can't allow people to dictate our mood and our attitude and even our altitude in life. We got to even be careful with the friends that we choose for ourselves sometimes. If the truth be told this evening, many of us have frenemies and not friends. Part friends and part enemies. What I've realized in my short 24 years of living is that my friends and family can esteem me to the highest heaven and my enemies can debase me to the lowest hell. But it doesn't mean anything if God is not pleased. At the end of the day, I just want Jesus to be pleased with my effort that I did not give up That I stayed the course, it was hard, it was rough, it was a pain in the you-know-what, I had to grit my teeth, I had to bear down and buckle down. But at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, if God is pleased, then my living was not in vain. Every day, Jesus had to struggle to keep the main thing the main thing. Every day he was met with people who wanted to kill him, who wanted to get rid of him. The paradox of sinners trying to wipe out their own savior. In fact, at many points, his own people from Nazareth wanted to throw him off a cliff. And every day as he got closer to Calvary, he had to keep a clear perspective. If he had taken one moment seriously to think about this thing, he probably would have thought us out of existence. I'm so glad Jesus just wanted to please the Father. <laughs> So he kept putting one foot in front of the other to get to his goal. Everywhere he went, there was a distraction and a temptation to get him to focus his attention on other things. But Jesus knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. Remember, on many occasions, they tried to trip Jesus up. Pharisees, the Sadducees and the scribes, and they asked him about the Sabbath day, saying, brother, you can't heal on the Sabbath day. Don't you know there's a law against that? And Jesus says, listen, brothers, my father works today and I'm going to (laughs) work. Tried to get him with food. And Jesus says, my meat and my drink is to do the will of the father that sent me. Tried to trip him up about the testimony about himself. And Jesus basically said, brothers, I ain't worried about y'all. My father testifies about me and that's enough. (laughs) Funny thing is, we get stuck in everything but God and we end up majoring in minors. When I was in the seminary, God just convicted me of this thing. I was in there studying, you know, thinking I was a scholar, doing all my Greek and my Hebrew. And God convicted me and told me, you know what? The MDiv is all right. But at the end of the day, if I do all this reading and I fill up my head with all these methods and techniques and processes and procedures to get to Jesus and I learn how to exegete a passage and I graduate with honors, it's all well and good. But the fact is, it really doesn't do anything for my soul. It won't get me to heaven. The question will still be, did I run the race? Did I run for God's approval? Did I do what he asked me to do? Was I humble? Was I obedient to his word? Did I love other people as a genuine disciple of God? Did I just love pleasing him? Did I accept his promises? Question will be, did I run the race? Hmm. Jesus wasn't concerned with all the compliments and the kudos of the crowd, or the speculation of the Pharisees. He wanted them to see him as the Messiah who would die for them and save them. But beyond that, he did not have time for their foolishness. Christ was all about the Father. Distractions come from everywhere, don't they, brothers and sisters? Stay on target. The devil actually specializes in distractions. I have found it so that the devil even tailor fits temptations and circumstances just to get us off track. Single and trying to live a godly life will send a woman that fits your exact specifications. Trip you up. Hmm. Well, let me come a little bit closer. Every single one of us has a mission to complete. I'm not a prophet. Not at all. I don't know what yours is. I'm not a mind reader, so I don't know what God has laid on you. But what I do know is that there is not a baby born on the top side of this earth that does not have purpose. There is something that God wants each and every one of us to do. And if we get tripped up worrying about other people, we will never accomplish the goal and we won't produce the fruit that God wants us to. Something that God wants us to do while we are living on earth. There's a talent, there's a gift that God has given you for a reason and I want to let you know that nobody's gift is any better than anybody else's. Don't you ever get caught up in thinking that what God has asked you to do is somehow less than anybody else's. I love what Martin Luther King said. He says, if it falls your lot to be a sweet striper, then sweep the streets like the living, the dead, the unborn could not do it any better (laughs) do your job what has God called you to do what seed has God given you to sow into the world Hmm. Jesus had a mission had an agenda and a purpose that needed to be accomplished and understand this there was no second chances brothers and sisters God did not have a plan B And he could not let anything come in between him and his mission or between him and his father. And though sometimes it's hard and it's rough, we have got to run this race anyway, knowing that God's going to be with us. Well, I think, and why not? I'll take one from the old preacher. He said the thing about baseball uh, that doesn't get him excited are the records of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. He says that what gets him excited is when he goes to the game of life. The devil and his angels have taken the outfield. It's the ninth inning. And Jesus turns to the saints who are in the dugout, you and me, and he says, you know what, don't worry about anything. I will be the pitch hitter. So Jesus approaches the plate, taps his bat against the plate a few times and gets ready to hit the ball. And so it is Satan himself approaches the mound of the ages. (laughs) He stands up and he winds up and he gets ready to pitch. And as he releases the ball, it's a knuckleball, it's a hardball, it's a fastball, it's a slider all wrapped up in one because he wants to strike out the Savior. As he releases the ball, Jesus is not deterred by anything keeps his eye on the ball he is resolute in his task he is on purpose he's not worrying about anything that is going on behind him in front of him around him nothing but his keeping his eye on the ball and if any good batter will tell you that if you're going to be a good hitter you can't worry about the pitcher you can't worry about the crowd who is either cheering you or booing you keep your eye on the ball So Jesus watched this ball, and as it came closer to him, he swung the bat over his back and then knocked the ball out of the park. And then he turned to the saints in the dugout, you and me, and he says, now that I have hit the ball, run for your life. And I feel as though as Christians, we just have to keep on running. Can't get deterred. Can't fall by the wayside. Can't worry about what other people think. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. Every day Christ was just uh, relinquishing his will to the Father. Sister White says over and over again that every morning when he would wake up, he would lay his plans before the Father to seek his approval. Jesus had ideas and he had plans as well. He had desires as a human being. But he would say, God, look at my schedule of events for today. Do you see anything that needs to be changed? What do you want me to do? I feel like Paul is screaming out to us today from Hebrews 12. Let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, whom for the joy set before us endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of God. We've got to keep our eyes on the goal, brothers and sisters. And ultimately, the goal is to get to heaven. Am I right? So I don't want to live in hell and then die and go to hell. We've got to get homesick. The race is hard to run, but God never said run to keep up with everybody else. Just said run to endure until the end. Lay it all out on the line and I'll do the rest. He said just hold on. I don't know about you. I just want God to be pleased. I'll be doggone if I have to run this race, my Lord, and find out that my living has been in vain. My main goal, my main agenda is just for God to be pleased. When I think about all the things that the world could offer me, none of it really holds any weight. When I hold it up, uh, all the fame and the fortune and the money and whatever else, all the good things this world can offer to me. And when I compare it to God and to Jesus and what he has done, I have to say that it does not compare. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Amen? Let all the accolades and the kudos, let those go to Calvary where they really belong. When it's all said and done, it doesn't matter what you say about me and what I say about you. The issue is, is God pleased? It's simple. Run the Christian race. Not to beat everybody else, but to just meet Jesus at the finish line. And I don't care from the last one there as long as I get there. And when I think about the game of life, brothers and sisters, I just keep on running. And I say, by the grace of God, if he's good enough, I'll get to first base. And if I keep praying long enough, maybe I'll get to second base. And by his grace and mercy, I'll get to third base. And then I'll be looking home to meet Jesus at the end. Doesn't matter how I end up there. Doesn't matter if I'm blind, crippling, crazy. (laughs) Beat up by the vicissitudes of life as long as I get there. And I'm humble enough, brothers and sisters, that even if I'm in the the last one in line to get to heaven, I will close the gate behind everybody else. I just want to get there. I don't want... (laughs) I don't want my living to be in vain. I actually want to make it to heaven. I love that song, So I'll Cherish. Oh, yeah. Old oh, Rugged Cross. Till my trophies, at last I lay down. I will to the old Rugged Cross and exchange it someday for my crown. Well, I agree with Paul tonight. Paul said, I I feel now that I'm ready to be offered. Time of my departure is at hand. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. I've finished the course. Now what's waiting for me is a crown of righteousness that God will give to me and not to me only, but to his people. So when the judgment is set, brothers and sisters, and the books are opened, the devil wants to accuse me and the long list of my inadequacies and wrongdoings are brought up. And when I have finished my course and I feel like I didn't do well enough and I miss the mark every time, I just want God to speak up on my behalf. Say, this is my beloved son. In him, I am well pleased. How many of you want that testimony tonight? I just want to follow God all the way, no matter what it costs me, no matter what it is. I surrender it all on the line. Brothers and sisters, tonight it would be good if each of us could think deeply and pull out the white flag and just say, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do not worried about everybody else we will try to please the world so much brothers and sisters that we will actually miss out on heaven i think it was dave ramsey who actually said that we try to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even like with money we do not have Can we get on one accord tonight and say that the only thing that matters is if God is pleased with us? Every morning when I wake up, there is one word that I say to God. And I try to say it as religiously as possible. Yes. whatever you want to do today God I don't know what's going to happen don't know what problems I'm going to face I don't know what person is going to cut me off on the road I don't know if I'm going to lose my job I'll be able to pay my bills I'll, I'll be able to eat today I don't know but God yes to your will and yes to your way how many of you want to say yes tonight Buy your heads with me Buy your heads Lord, tonight I just came to share a simple message, God. But a profound one. Help us, oh Lord. Not to waste time with the world. As we are living in the last days, God. We have to run this race. And oh God, like Jesus. We just want to seek your will every day every moment moment by moment, minute by minute second by second every day God we want to give ourselves to you Father will you bless us in this regard will you teach us God will you help us to run the race we know it's not easy God But you said in this world you shall have trouble, but do not worry, I have overcome the world. Lord, we plead your blood this evening for forgiveness of sins, and we plead your spirit to lead us into all truth. God, as we begin this revival this week and as we go into the Holy Spirit, Lord, I'm asking that each and every one of us be filled with your spirit. And I'm asking God that we recognize the vital importance of his work and his mission in our lives. God, your word says that he is the seal, the guarantee of our redemption and our inheritance. And so, God, it stands to reason that many of us will not be saved unless we have the Holy Spirit so we plead God be with us help us to follow your will and your way for we know that this is the only way for us to stay connected to you help us O Lord or there's someone here who's battling temptation evils and distractions God there's someone who wants to do what is right but truth be told they feel like they're being pulled back to the dark side of life Pray, Lord, that you would enter into their life and change their circumstances, God. Give them strength for the journey and strength for the battle. May you break down strongholds, but then lift up a standard against the devil, God. And help them to serve you in the best way they know how. We love you, God, tonight. We thank you and we praise you. Above all things, God, if you never do another thing, we ask that you be pleased with us. And you save us into your blessed kingdom. This is our prayer in Jesus' name we do pray. That every blood-washed Christian and every believer in God's word say amen. Amen.